read a headline that said that uh, Western New York was in the worst drought that it had been in since 1943. And I thought that was kind of crazy. I was thinking back to this time last year, and it was about this time last year I was out grilling dinner, and these really dark clouds started to kind of roll in into Warsaw. And it started to rain, and I, I grabbed my grill, and I pulled my grill into the garage so I could finish grilling the food that I was grilling. And it rained, and it rained, and it rained. And by the time we were about done with dinner, I looked outside, and it was still just raining like crazy. I went out on the porch, and I looked in the front, in the street, in, the, in our front yard, and it was like the water was like knee-deep, and there was a car coming down the street. And the car sucked water in the air intake and just stalled out there. And the guy abandoned his car and he's like trying to walk home. And there's cars just kind of left all over the place. So last year we were in this place of like a crazy abundance of rain. And this year we're in the driest summer we've had since 1943. Last year there was times where I had to mow my lawn twice a week just to keep up so that my lawnmower wouldn't stall out every 10 seconds and get clogged. And then this summer, I went almost two months straight without mowing my lawn at all. Warsaw has been a really, really dry place this summer. And I don't know if you've ever felt like you've been in a dry place personally. Maybe you've felt like your life at times has looked like the drought that we've been experiencing in Warsaw. Maybe you felt like your life looked like the brown, withered grass that we've all had in our yards this summer. Maybe you feel like you found yourself in a dry place in your relationship with the Lord. Maybe you could remember times in the past where you felt like you could hear his voice so clearly. Times where you felt like his presence was so real to you. And now you feel like you can hardly remember the last time he spoke to you. You feel like you can hardly remember the last time you felt his presence. You're in a dry place in your relationship with the Lord. Maybe you're in a dry place in your marriage. Maybe you walk through your house and you see pictures on your, hanging on your wall of your wedding day. And you look at those pictures and you think, man, that couple had no idea what they were getting themselves into. Maybe you're in a dry place at work. Maybe you can remember when you first got this job that you're working at now and it was like the best thing ever and you loved it. Monday morning rolled around and you were excited to go to work. But now you're just not feeling it anymore and you're dragging and you don't even want to go. Maybe you had dreams or hopes and you feel like for one reason or another, life crushed those dreams. Maybe you used to have really big and lofty dreams and you felt like there was something meaningful you wanted to do with your life, but now your dreams are more like, I just want to survive or get by. Maybe you wouldn't have used that phrase, a dry place on your own. Maybe you would have said something like, I'm depressed, or I'm worn out, or I'm frustrated, or I'm angry, or I'm just really sad. Maybe your excitement or energy for life seems like it's gone. If that's you, then you're in a dry place. I was reading through the Psalms earlier this year, and I read through the whole book, and it was like, I got to the end, and I was like, you know what, like half of these Psalms in here, I feel like I could take a portion of them or even a whole chapter, and I could like turn it into a worship song that we could use on a Sunday morning, and it would like totally work. Like nobody would even... I could hide it. Nobody would even know it was a psalm. Like half this book totally works in church. The other half, not so much. The other half is like, there's some dark, dry places that David finds himself. There are times when David feels like he's totally losing his mind. 
There's times when David literally has zero hope. Times when David, who is said to be this man after God's own heart and one of the most amazing worshipers in the Bible, times where David is like, I don't even think there is a God anymore. Half the book works and half of it doesn't. These are dry times in David's life. And we all go through dry times in our life. Um, have you ever had someone who was telling you a story and there was like a main point to their story, but somewhere along the way, like they said something, it wasn't the main point of what they're saying, but they said something, they kind of breezed by it, and you're like, wait a second, can we, can we go back and talk about that for a second? I know it's not the main point of the story, but like, I want to he hear about that some more. Can you tell me some more about that? You guys ever experienced that? Jesus does that in, in this verse in Matthew. I was in a dry place in my life personally, and I was reading through the book of Matthew, and I, I came to this verse in chapter, you don't have to turn there, you can just write it down if you want. If you want to turn to something, you can turn to John 4. We're going to end up there eventually. So this is in John chapter 12, verse 43. Jesus is talking about casting demons out of, out of people. And he says, when an unclean spirit leaves a person, it wanders through dry places looking for a place to rest. And when I read that verse, that wasn't the main point of what Jesus was saying. Not at all. But when I read that verse, I was in a dry place. And I'm like, you're saying that in dry places, there are devils or demons that are wandering around looking for a place to rest or for a place to attach themselves? And when I read that, I immediately thought, I remember just a few minutes earlier, I had read in Matthew chapter 4, where Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan, by the devil himself. And I don't know about you, but when I think of a wilderness, like I think of like someplace in Alaska or maybe like northern Canada, like way deep in the mountains or in, the, in a forest, like a place I've never been before. But that's not at all what this wilderness was that Jesus went into where he was tempted by Satan. The wilderness that Jesus went into was the Judean desert, which is said to be one of the driest deserts on the face of the earth. So Jesus went into this dry place, and in this dry place, he ends up being tempted by Satan himself. In this dry place, he found Satan. And then in chapter 12, he says that there are devils or demons that wander around in dry places looking for a place to rest. Dry places don't sound too fun right now, do they? I mean, dry places, devils, demons, no thanks, like not really interested. But there I was when I read those scriptures in a dry place. And the problem that I see is that sometimes I feel like we come to church and we enter into a worship service and we listen to a sermon, but we're in this dry place and we desperately need a drink of water. But somehow the sermon, the experience we have in the presence of the Lord in worship, it doesn't translate to the dry place. We come in here and we have this experience and then we leave and the water that we experienced in here doesn't even barely make it out of the sanctuary sometimes. Sometimes the water that we experience here doesn't make it to our car, and it doesn't even make it out of the parking lot. And we go home, and we go home to this dry place that we're in, and what we experience in the presence of the Lord doesn't seem to translate and doesn't seem to hydrate that dry place in our life. We go back to the dry place, and I don't know about you, but I don't need a water that works on Sunday morning. I appreciate water on Sunday morning, but when I'm in a dry place, I need a water that works on Monday morning. I need a water that works on Friday night. I need a water that hydrates me 
in the middle of a sleepless night when the burden of life is heavy and more than I can bear. Have any of you ever been in a dry place? Would you raise your hand? How many of you have ever been in a dry place? How many of you maybe would be honest enough to say, I feel like I'm in a dry place now? Anybody? Any takers? And the rest of you might be lying. I don't know. We'll see. We'll find out. So I, I read these scriptures about these dry places, one where the devil was there himself, one where demons were there. And immediately the Lord brought this scripture back to my mind. It's in John chapter 7, verses uh, 737. It says, On the last and the, great, and the greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. What was happening was uh, these guys were at this festival. It was the Feast of Tabernacles. They had gone through the entire feast. It's the last day of the ceremony. They had gone through the entire conference. It's like it's the last day of camp. Everyone's packing up their bags. Everyone's loading up their luggage. And then all of a sudden, Jesus says, stands up and yells, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And these guys had just been feasting for a week. So you could imagine these people just kind of like looking at Jesus like, Jesus, I ate until I had to unbutton my pants. Like, I drank until I couldn't drink anymore. Like, if anyone's thirsty, let him come to me. Like, clearly, there's no one here who's thirsty. But what Jesus was saying to these Jewish people, and what I believe he's saying to us today, is that in the dry place, what you've experienced in religion, what you've experienced in rituals, the dry place hasn't been affected by those things. It's still left you in a place where you're dry and you're still thirsty. And what he's saying is, if anyone will come to me, then I will give them water that will satisfy them. And I'm telling you, if Jesus shows up at the end of church today in the parking lot and he says, if anyone's thirsty, let him come to me and drink, I'm telling you, I'm going to act like a fool to get to Jesus and tell him I'm thirsty. I don't know if you guys have ever seen videos of people on Black Friday. They stay up all night waiting to get their big screen TV. And literally, they will trample people and kill each other to get this stupid TV. That's how I'm going to act. That's what I'm going to do if Jesus shows up and says, if anyone wants a drink, let him come to me. I will trample you. I will bite you. I will put you in a headlock and give you a noogie on the way to go to Jesus and tell him, Jesus, I'm thirsty. Is there anyone else here who's thirsty this morning? Well, good. All right, so John chapter 4. So this, John chapter 4 is about this woman who she's in a dry place. And the reason we know she's in a dry place, if you want to look at it later, you can. We're not going to read it for the sake of time today. And verses 15 through 19. This woman is in a dry place. This woman has been married, we find out, five times. How many of you have ever been in a dry place in your marriage? You weren't supposed to raise your hand. <laughs> um, so this woman, everyone has been in a dry place in their marriage. This woman's been married five times, and they all failed. So clearly, she's been in a lot of dry places. Now she's trying to get into a sixth marriage. This girl has been through the ringer. Like, she is in a dry dry place. And she comes to a well to get some water, and she meets Jesus. So what we're going to do is we're going to go through this story today, and there's some things that stood out to me that I hadn't really seen in the same way before, and I hope that they'll speak to you. We're going to start in verse 7. 
A Samaritan woman came to the well to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me some water to drink. His disciples had gone into the city to buy him some food. The Samaritan woman said, Why do you, a Jewish man, ask me for something to drink? For something to drink from a Samaritan woman. Jesus responded, If you recognized God's gift, and who is saying to you, Give me some water to drink, you would ask him, and he would give you living water. The first thing that stood out to me is Jesus said, Give me some water to drink. Give me some water to drink. That stood out to me because Jesus doesn't need to ask water for water from anyone. Jesus could just tell his stomach, be filled with water, and it would be filled with water. Like This is the same Jesus that took huge jars of water and turned it to wine. This is the same Jesus that took an amount of food that one man could hold in his hands and fed 15,000 people. This is the same Jesus that spit in some dirt and made mud and put it on a blind guy's eyes and made him see. This is the Jesus that called his friend who had died out of the grave. Jesus does not need to ask this woman for water. Jesus doesn't need water that this woman has. So it stands out to me, and I have to ask myself, why then is he asking this woman for water if he doesn't really need water? I believe that the answer to that question is in first found in verse 10, and then we'll look at another answer later. But the first answer is, we were designed to be in this interaction with God when we're in a dry place. This woman is in a dry place. We're designed to be in this interaction with God where he asks us for something when we're in a dry place. And we respond and give him water. And as we give him water, what he does in turn is responds and gives us living water, which is what we're actually screaming for in that dry place. Let's continue to read. Jesus responded, If you recognize God's gift, and who is saying to you, Give me some water to drink, you would be asking him, and he would give you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you don't have a bucket, and the well is deep. Where would you get this living water? You aren't greater than our father Jacob, are you? He gave us this well, and he drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. That's the second thing that stands out to me. This water. Everyone who drinks this water. If Jesus said everyone who drinks this water, that means there's also a that water. If there wasn't two waters, then Jesus would would have just said everyone who drinks water will be thirsty again. But because he said this water, that means there's this water and that water. We got two waters. You guys see that? Two waters. So when I see that, I ask myself, I'm in this dry place. This woman is in this dry place. What water have I been drinking? Have I been drinking this water? Or have I been drinking that water? It makes me want to ask you, have you been drinking this water that leaves you thirsty again? Or have you been drinking that water? If you get thirsty enough, you will drink almost anything. If you get thirsty enough, you'll drink just about anything. I saw a funny, well depending on who you want to vote for, maybe a funny meme this week. It said, I trust Hillary Clinton as much as, and it listed a bunch of things that you do not trust. The first one on the list was Mexican tap water. Um, When I was 12 years old, I went on a missions trip to Mexico, and um, we played basketball one afternoon with these kids, and I mean, 
we didn't know how hot it was, but it must have been close to 100 degrees, really, really high humidity, like kind of like the days we've been having around here. We started playing with them right after lunch, and we were supposed to play straight up till dinner. And when you're 12 years old, you can run around a lot, and you're in pretty good shape and whatever, but man, by the time we were getting done, we were just whooped. I mean, we were so tired. We were dying for some water. And the missionaries were supposed to have clean water for us to drink. For one reason or another, that didn't happen. So um, Paul Schultz was leading our team, so he was going to go to the run into the city with the missionary to get some water. He said it'd take like 10 minutes to get there, 10 minutes to get back. Okay, sounds good. So we finished playing basketball. They should have been back by now. They're not back. We go back to the church where we're staying. And there's like six or seven of us that have been playing basketball all afternoon. We are so thirsty. We are like dying for water. And it, when we went on this trip, they told us ahead of time, like, you can't drink water out of the faucet in Mexico. Like, if you do, it's bad news. You'll be in bad shape. It's not going to be good. So we're waiting for him to come. One hour goes by. Two hours goes by. Three hours go by. We're thirsty. We're dying. Finally, one of the guys goes, I'm going downstairs. I'm drinking water. I don't care. I don't care if they said I'm not supposed to. My stomach's tough. I think I'll be fine. So he goes down. He drinks water. He comes back up. He's like, oh, that water was so good. You guys got to go get some of that water. And we're dying. We're like standing at the road looking. John Legere's like trying, like, how do I get a hold of him? I don't know. We're all so thirsty. Finally, we're like, we're drinking the water too. He liked it. He didn't die. We're drinking the water. So we go, we drink the water. Later that night, we had to go do a church service. It was on the way back from the church service. We're in the back of this van, and this guy, who he was the first guy who drank the water, he looks at me and he goes, I'm not feeling so good. And I was like, what? What do you mean? He said, my stomach is just like really upset. And I'm like, huh, that's weird. He said, I think we might need to stop the van. And I'm like, I feel fine. And a little while later, it's like, yeah. My, my stomach's not feeling so good either. I think we're going to need to pull over the van. Before we know it, we got six guys running off into the woods in Mexico, hoping we can find something that's not poison ivy to clean up the mess that's about to happen. It was, it was, uh, it was something special. But if you get thirsty enough, you will drink almost anything. If you get thirsty enough, you will drink water that you know is going to make you run full sprint with the runs, which is dangerous. If you get thirsty enough, you will drink almost anything, even if you know it's not going to satisfy you in the long term, even if you know it's this water. One time I was in a dry place, and April knew I was in a dry place, and um, we put the kids to bed, and she was up putting the youngest one to bed. And I went downstairs, and I was just sitting there listening to some music and kind of sulking and whining and complaining about this dry place and the problems that I saw in my life that I wasn't happy about. I thought I was just listening to music. I didn't really think I was complaining or whining, but probably she thought I was. So she came downstairs, and she says, what are you listening to? And I said, music. And she looked at me and she said, what kind of music? With an attitude. I said, music's music. What do you mean, what kind of music? And she says, why don't you turn off that artsy emo garbage? And what she was saying to me, first of all, it was not artsy emo garbage. It was very nice music. It was very, very mean of her. What she was saying to me was she was saying, I know you're thirsty. 
I know you're in a dry place. So why are you going to go listen to music that's not going to lead you to a place of life? Why are you going to sit in this place and listen to music that's not going to leave you satisfied? Why are you sitting there drinking this water right now when you know it's not going to leave you satisfied? So I want to ask you this morning, in your dry place, what have you been drinking? Have you been drinking this water? I don't know what that looks like for you. For you, maybe drinking this water means you run back to something you've run to in the past that you know led to death and destruction. But you go anyways because you're drying, dying for a drink. Maybe you go to work and try and hide yourself there. Maybe you dive into the internet and just live staring at a screen. Maybe you watch TV to try and numb what you're feeling. But what I want to tell you this morning is that when you're in a dry place, don't go to a place where there's water that you know isn't going to satisfy. When you're in a dry place, don't go to water that you know is this water. I can remember another time when I was thinking about this where um, April sent me to the store to go shopping. It was actually when we were building the Redemption Center. We had worked all week building the Redemption Center and it got to Friday and I was tired and it was a kind of, I was tired from just like we had been out there building all week and I needed a Saturday just to chill. But this Saturday, I didn't get a Saturday to chill. This Saturday, I needed to go put a roof on a house. So it was like 4 o'clock in the morning, I left to get on top of this roof by 5 in the morning so we could try and get a roof on this house before it rained on Sunday. So I climbed on the roof at 5 in the morning. I was already whooped from the week. And when, I find, when we finally, we were nailing down shingles all day, carrying bundles, bundles of shingles up ladders. By the time we finished, it was 7 o'clock at night. So it was a really, really long day. I'm the kind of tired that's like, just like totally done. It's like I am hungry, I'm thirsty, I'm tired, I need a shower, but I can't really decide which of those I even need more than the other. When I get like that, usually what I do is I just do all of them at the same time. I order, I order a pizza, I put a chair in the shower, I turn it on the coldest possible setting, I take the box of pizza right in the shower, I sit in the shower, I eat my pizza while the cold water is running into my mouth, I can eat, sleep, shower, drink, all at the same time. It's amazing. So I was that kind of tired. And then I get this text message from April that says, can you go to the store, I just need these three things for something I'm making. I'm like, okay. So I go to the store, and when I'm going around the store, like, every single thing I see looks amazing. Like, it could be like, I hate seafood, but like, she needed me to get some, I think some meat or something, so I was in, kind of over in that area. Seafood is like looking good to me, because I am so hungry. I finally come home, and I walk in, and I bring in a couple bags, and she's like, where are you going? I, I, there's some more stuff to get. So I bring in a couple more bags, and she's like, what did you get? And so I go back out. I think I got like 10 bags of food. I'm not exactly sure. And the kicker was I missed one of the three things she needed. <laughs> but I was buying stuff that I didn't even like, stuff that I didn't want, stuff that I didn't need because I was so hungry. I was in this place where everything looked good. That's why you don't ever go shopping when you're hungry. And it's the same thing in our life. When we're in a dry place, we look around and we, we'll see stuff that we know is trouble. Like you're dying for a drink, you look at something, you're like, that's trouble. I, I, 
shouldn't drink that. That's going to be, that's not going to be fulfilling in the long term. That's going to be a problem. And we go to it and we drink it anyways because we are so thirsty in that moment. Let's keep reading. Let's go to verse, uh, I'll go 13. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water that I will give will never be thirsty again. The water that I give will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Everybody say, in him. In me. So here you and I are in this dry place. And we're dying for a drink of water. And we're looking around everywhere. Everything we do, we're looking around outside of us trying to find this drink of water. And Jesus tells us here that the drink of water that we're screaming for and looking around for everywhere around us, this thing that we're looking for externally is actually inside of us. The hydration that you've been running around town looking for under every rock, trying all these things, trying to find a drink of water, it's actually inside of us. It's something that he has put inside of us. The thing you've been asking everybody for is something that you already possess. Say, it's in me. First Peter 1.23 says, Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed through the living and abiding word of God. Let's be honest for a second. Sometimes when we get in a dry place, we go crazy. I don't know if any of you have ever experienced this. We get in a really dry place and we lose our mind. Like we can't remember, like if I'm talking to someone who's in a dry place and I'm like, is there anything that God's ever done for you? It's like, no, God's never done anything for me. Like nothing. Like we, all of a sudden we lose our mind and we can't remember anything God's ever done for us. It's like, do you know anything is true? Like can you tell me anything that is true? No, nothing is true. I don't even know what's true anymore. I don't know. And we're losing our mind, right? In this dry place. Sometimes we get in this dry place and we're like, you know what? Stuff is never going to get better. Stuff is never going to change. This dry place is my home now. It's never going to rain. Warsaw is just always going to be dead brown grass. It's never going to rain. And there you are in this dry place, and you think it's never going to get better, and it's never going to change. And then you get in this dry place, and you make some stupid decisions, and you go to this water a time or two. You know you shouldn't have, but you go to this water, and now you're thinking, you know what? Now I've screwed this thing up so bad I've sinned so much that this situation is not redeemable. It's not resolvable. There is no way out. This dry place that I'm in is going to become my coffin where I'm going to die. And what 1 Peter tells us is that when we got saved, how many of you are saved? When we were born again, there was an incorruptible, imperishable seed that was planted in us. It's not corruptible. You can't sin enough to make it corrupted. There's nothing you can do to make this seed corrupted. And this seed that was planted inside of us is a fountain. Jesus says it here. He says, The water that I gave will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. This spring of water sounds a lot like the seed that we heard about. There's a fountain inside of each one of us. And what we need to do is figure out how to get into that water that is inside of each one of us. We're going to keep reading. We're going to skip a few verses. We're going to go down to verse 21. 
Jesus said to her, Believe me, woman, the time is coming when you and your people will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You and your people worship what you don't know. We worship what we know because salvation is from the Jews. But the time is coming and is here when true worshipers will worship in spirit and truth. The Father looks for those who worship him this way. God is spirit, and it is necessary to worship God in spirit and truth. The last thing that I see there is to worship God. So, so far in this story, I'm in this dry place. I'm in this place where I'm thirsty, and I'm tracking along, because we're talking about water on every line. I mean, Jesus says water, I think it is like nine times Jesus says water. Water, 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 living water, water, living water. I'm all about that because I'm thirsty, right? We're in this dry place, and it's like I'm dying for water. And then all of a sudden here in one breath, he completely stops talking about water, and he talks about worship. He goes from saying water nine times to saying worship eight times. And I'm like, what? you lost me, Jesus, because when we were talking about water, I was all about it because I'm thirsty, but now we're talking about worship, and I don't know what you're talking about. Maybe the thing that he planted in us, maybe the incorruptible seed, the fountain that is in us, is the thing that cries out, Abba, Father. Maybe when we got saved, when our lives were committed to Christ, that seed that was planted in us is like a light bulb that turns on where our spirit comes to life. And our spirit was made to worship. Each one of us, our spirit was made to worship. So he's talking about water, and I'm tracking along. And then he starts talking to worship. And immediately I remembered the first thing that I saw that stuck out to me in this scripture was when Jesus said, give me some water. And I realized Maybe Jesus wasn't really talking about water. Maybe Jesus was talking about worship. He talked to her about water because they were at a well and she wanted to talk about water. But really, he wasn't asking for water. I knew it didn't make any sense that Jesus was asking for water because Jesus doesn't need water. But what Jesus is asking of this woman who is in this dry place, what he's asking for from each of us is he's asking us for our worship. I know you go to worship services. I know you all can sing. I know you guys can clap, most of you. Some of you not so much, but most of you can clap. I know you can raise your hands. But when these Jewish people got to the end of their festival, Jesus knew they were still thirsty. They just got done with their worship experience, and they were still thirsty. I know you can sing. I know you can clap. But how many times are you actually worshiping? How many times are you actually worshiping God in spirit and truth? Are you just clapping and singing and going to church because it's what you do? Or are you actually worshiping him? I don't know about you, but when I get in a dry place, I want to point to all kinds of external things. I'm like an investigator. I want to find out whose fault it is. Why am I in this dry place? And so I start looking for stuff. I start pointing at stuff. I think it's your fault. I think it's your fault. I think it's this thing's fault. I think it's that thing's fault. My dad talked about the blame game a couple weeks ago. It's the doctor who spanked me too hard. My parents, they did this wrong. My family tree, this problem. Obama, this problem. 
like we are looking for anyone and anything to blame. But is it possible that the dry place that we're in has nothing to do with anything external and has everything to do with the condition of our heart? Surely this dry place can't be because of me. Surely this dry place can't be because of a lack of a heart of worship that I have. I've been going around in this dry place, in this miserable, this depressed, this angry place, asking God to come into this dry place and meet me. But we learned in Matthew that the only people that are in dry places are devils and demons. And how many of you have been in a dry place and you say, can say, man, I felt like I was being tortured in that place. Maybe you actually were being tortured in that place. I was talking to someone this week who was in a dry place. He's like, I've never in my whole life struggled with suicidal thoughts. Like, it's just not something I really thought about or whatever. It's like over the last couple of weeks, I'm like driving down 390. And it's like I'm seeing these telephone poles. And all of a sudden, I'm thinking about my car running into one of these telephone poles. And then I see a bridge. And then I'm thinking about driving into this bridge. And I'm going like, what am I, like, what, where are these thoughts even coming from? He's in a dry place. And there are demons strolling around in dry places looking for a place to attach themselves. We get in a dry place and we sometimes get tortured. And what Jesus is saying to us when he stops talking about water and starts talking about worship, is he's saying, will you give me a drink of water? Will you give me your worship? Because he knows that as we start to worship, as we take, even if it's in a hurt, in a broken, in a dry place, as we start to give him our worship, it's like we take the valve that controls the water for our life and we start to turn it on. And as we worship him, we make a place where he can come into our life because the Lord rides into our life on worship. He told us that he does. He said, if two or three people will gather together in my name and say, holy and awesome is God, I'll be right there with them. So when we worship him, he comes and he ministers to us. He rides into our life on worship. As we worship him, it's like we take the faucet and turn it on and begin to flood the dry place in our life. And what I believe the Lord is asking us this morning is in your dry place, can you start to worship me? Maybe worship doesn't look like jumping around and spinning and dancing when you're in a dry place. Maybe when you're in the dry place, worship looks like just standing there with tears running down your face and saying, God, I don't know how I got to this place, but I don't want to do it without you. Like, I need you. I'm desperate for you, God. Can you begin to worship him in that dry place? Would you guys stand to your feet this morning? If you feel like you're in a dry place right now, I just want to ask you to lift your hands to the Lord. I want, you, I want to ask you to lift your hands to him, not um, just because it's something that we do when we worship, but just lift your hands to him because he's holy, he's wonderful, he's awesome, and he's worthy. Some of you have been in this dry place, in this place that was depressed, that's angry, that's sad, that's frustrated, that's worn out, and you've been asking God to come into the dry place, and you've been angry at him that he hasn't come to meet you in this dry place. But this morning, could you just open your mouth, just lift your hands, and just begin to worship? Just tell him you love him. Just open your mouth and begin to speak it out. Tell him he's worthy, he's holy. 
You're wonderful, God. Lord, we can't do this without you. We need you, Lord. We're desperate for you. Lord, we don't want to stay in this place. Would you come and meet with us, Lord? Lord, I pray for each one that's in a dry place. Lord, I ask that as they start to worship, as they let real spirit and truth worship come out of their heart, that you would meet with them, God. That you would ride into their lives, into the dry place, on their worship. That it would be like rain from heaven would begin to fall on their dry place. I ask you to flow into each one's life as they begin to worship, Lord. Maybe you showed up to work at Camp Judah and you put a good face on, but you know you're in a dry place. I want to encourage you just to begin to worship him. He's worthy. He's holy. He's awesome. Maybe you feel like you've been in this dry place for so long that you can't even see a way out. Just begin to worship him. This woman had been through five marriages. She had been through the ringer. She was in a really dry place. And she said, surely you're the Messiah. Her worship got her out of that dry place. Lord, I pray for each one. I ask you to meet them as they worship, just like you promised you would, God. As they call out to you, meet them, God. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, have a blessed week, everyone. If you are on staff at Camp Judah, you need to go to the Fellowship Hall immediately, which is over there.